This message was presented at the GYC 2012 conference in Seattle, Washington. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. So this uh, specific seminar is dealing with sensitive seeker. Uh, We just saw in our last presentation that God wants us to be filled with that golden oil. And that oil representing the Holy Spirit, being filled with the character and the fruits of the Spirit. But also we saw that it is also in reference to the talents God has given to us. And that we are to use the talents. And so, after we are experiencing or as we are experiencing conversion, as we talked about in the last previous three sections, sessions, and if any of you are here for the first time in this session, and you didn't hear the other ones, the recordings will be made on the GYUC website, and I've heard a couple, a month or so later, it'll be an audio verse, and I recommend to go through those, to refresh our minds, study it for yourself, go back. Especially when we talked about the sanctuary and the process of sanctifi- justification, sanctification, glorification, we covered a lot of information. So please go back and study it for yourself. And so today we're going to be, or this presentation specifically, we'll be looking at the concept of being a sensitive seeker. But before we dive into the Word of God, uh, let us bow our heads for another word of prayer. Our Father in Heaven, thank You so much for Your wonderful blessings. Lord, we thank You that You have called each one of us not only to experience Your grace in our lives, but to be transformed back into your image and to shine your beautiful character into this dark world. And Lord, I pray that we would have a burden for souls, a burden to reach those that are in need of you. Please, Lord, as we dive into your word, give us understanding and please hide me that I would not be seen, Father, but that you would be lifted up and draw our hearts closer to thy side. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sensitive seeker. We spent some time in Matthew 25 in the last presentation. I want to now spend some and the most the most of our time in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15 we find three parables. And these three parables have even been mentioned a little bit, even in the main uh, evening meetings already. But I believe in these three parables that God has much to teach us about the means and the methods that God wants us to use in reaching people. We saw that God equips us with talents in the previous lecture. The question is, okay, I can use my talents, but how do I reach somebody specifically? And I believe God has addressed this in partial in this parable, in three parables here in Luke chapter 15. So there, if you're there, would you say amen? So if you would turn with me, if you have your Bibles or if your phone or whatever you have, Luke chapter 15 And look at what the Bible tells us in verse 4. Luke chapter 
15 and verse 4. Yes, go ahead and do that. Verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? So here we see that Jesus gives us a parable of what? Sheep, right? He, and he says, what man of you having how many sheep? How many? One, how many? One hundred sheep. If you lose one, what you will do? Go after it. This man that has a hundred, he's a shepherd. And he has a burden for his sheep. The question I want to ask us is, who is the shepherd illustrated in this passage? Yes, if you come with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible tells us. In verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. In this parable, Jesus is being described as the shepherd. If we want to learn how to be a sensitive seeker, we need to follow whose example? Jesus. If you've seen that everything we've been talking about, to be converted, to experience the sanctuary, it's all about being like who? Jesus. So when it comes to reaching souls and and using our talents for the glory of God, we must follow the example of Jesus. And the question is, who are the hundred sheep? In Isaiah 53, let's go there as well, real quickly. Isaiah 53, some of these passages are very familiar to us, but I will build the point and we will see the meaning of all of this. Isaiah 53, verse 6. Is everyone there? Isaiah 53, verse 6, the Bible says, All we like what? Sheep have gone astray. Who are the sheep? They're us. It's our planet. We individually have gone astray. We have chosen to go our own way. Lost humanity is the sheep. And interesting, if we are to be a seeker, which God ultimately wants us to do, what needs to first happen to us? I need to be found. If I'm also lost, what good does it to me to go try reaching someone else? I'm lost, right? And so, God wants us first to be found by that great shepherd, Jesus Christ. This, in this parable of the lost sheep, I believe it represents the group of people that they are lost, they know it, because they went out. You know, sheep, they wander out here and there. And then they got stuck in a situation, this sheep maybe got stuck in a bush or something, and he's lost. And so the only way to be found is by that shepherd. So here we find, in this parable, it represents those that are lost, but they don't know how to get back. 
And we ourselves, many, many times we find ourselves lost and we don't know how to get back. And so the first three presentations talked about how God would bring it back to the fold. Amen? And once we are found, now God wants us to also be a shepherd, to look for those sheep. But look at what, how God views us. In Thoughts on the Mount of Blessings, paragraph 5, and this is page 7 in the, in the beginning part, even before the other chapters begin, Christ can look upon the misery of the what? World without a shade of what? Sorrow have, of, for having created man. This also blows my mind. In understanding the character of God, even though we've gone astray, we've gone our own way, God can look back. Jesus looks back, He sees the created world. It's not the same way that He originally made it. But yet, without a shade of sorrow for creating us, in the human heart, He sees what? More than sin. So when we're talking about being a sensitive seeker, and we're... we're want to emulate and copy the example of Jesus, we need to learn to see this as well in people. The human heart, he sees more than sin, more than misery. Sometimes we only look at the negative. In his infinite wisdom and love, he sees what? Man's possibilities. The height of which he may attain. He knows that even though human beings have abused their mercies, they have done what? Abused. And I think this more pertains to those that know the truth than those that don't. Because we, we know the mercies of God. And we may leave GYC on fire, but along our journey, we may abuse God's grace and continue in sin. May God help us. Even though human beings have abused their mercies and destroyed what? Their God-given dignity. You look at humanity. We've gotten so low, yet the Creator is to be what? Glorified in their redemption. How is God going to be glorified through these individuals and through us? It's not, we've, we've destroyed the dignity God originally imbued us with. But when redemption is experienced in our lives and in other people's lives, then God will be glorified. The shepherd that lost his sheep knew the potential of that one lost sheep. We may look in this room and say, you know what? Oh, this person is better off and this person is not. That's not how God looks. Every single person here is of a great value. God sees the potential. If all of us used all our talents, this world would be turned upside down by the power of God. God is wanting all of us. He sees our potential. We need to pattern our life after that great shepherd, Jesus Christ. But in order to do this, number one principle that I see in just this parable alone, we have to have a burden for other sheep. If we're to be a shepherd like Jesus, we need that burden. We need a burden and for those sheep represent souls. What man of you and especially in the Jewish system. You know, today we, not many are agriculturalists and farmers and cattle ranchers. But back then, every sheep was money value. They needed the wool of the sheep. And so everything was specifically calculated. And each, and, each shepherd had needed all. 
God needs all of us for His work. And so He realizes that each sheep is of importance. Each one of us need a burden for souls. In Desire of Ages, page 195, every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a what? As a pew warmer. As a church member. No. As a missionary. This is amazing. All of us here, once we experience being born into the kingdom of God, experience the conversion, that first three lectures we talked about, then we are called to be a missionary. He who drinks of the living water becomes a what? Fountain of life. The receiver becomes a giver. All of us are called to be givers. We know so much. Even if you only know, you remember when we talked about yesterday about overcoming sin and preservation, we saw that even if we claimed one promise, all of heaven's storehouses is open to us. The rest of the world may not know that one promise. If that's all that you know, share that what you know. And through the power of God, we become fountains of life. Remember, it's God in us doing this work. We are told in Psalms 126, verse 6, beautiful passage, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious what? Seed. The seed, the Bible tells us, Jesus Himself told us, it's the what? What of God. This is precious seed. And we should, when I read this, I was thinking to myself, do I really weep for souls? Am I begging, Lord, when I look at the knowledge and the truth God has given me, do I have a burden and I see my, the people that I pass by on the street or the people that I, I give the money to at the grocery store, do I see them? Do I weep for them? He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with what? Rejoicing. Why is he rejoicing after he weeps? Not because he went to a party, but because he brings his sheaves with him. He planted the seed of truth. He cried. How does that seed grow? It needs water. What is it that makes it grow? The water and the sunlight. The sun of righteousness. And as we are weeping and we're putting effort in, this beautiful precious seed is grown into the hearts of individuals and people are brought into the kingdom of God. That's what the heart of God is all about. That is what God wants to do through us today. God wants us to have a passion for souls. It reminds me of the song, Let your heart be broken for a world in need. Add to your believing deeds that prove it true, knowing Christ as Savior. Make Him master too. Follow in His footsteps. Go where He has trodden. In the world's great trouble, risk yourself for God. That is what God wants us to experience for our hearts to be broken, not of just sin in our own lives, but broken for the need of this world. Even though we are doing some things as God's people, God has so much more for His people to do. There are another thousand millions of souls that are dying to hear the good truths. Number one, burden for souls. Ask God for the burden. Burden for souls doesn't naturally come into our hearts. We need to ask for it. Just like we need to ask God to show us our talents and how to use them, God wants us to 
have a burden, to ask for these burdens of souls. Principle number two. We need to learn how to be social to save. The reason why I get this out of that parable, if you think with me. How did he know that his sheep is lost? How does he know? He knows them very well. He knows every hundred sheep. He knows every single one as his own. And when he's counting them, oh, this is Jack and this is Anne and this is whatever. If he names a sheep, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he knows each one. And then all of a sudden he comes down and goes, oh, 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 there's only 99. What happened to Lily or whatever? What happened to my sheep? He knows them as his own. We need to be social. We need to learn how to talk and relate to others. If we don't talk to people, we won't know the condition of those souls. Jesus even there in Luke 15 said, What a man of you having a hundred sheep. We need to be familiar with those sheep. In Gospel Workers, page 193, Your success will not depend so much upon your what? Now, we are not saying that you don't need knowledge. We're not saying that you don't need a personal experience. You need a personal experience with Jesus. You need to be growing in the Word every day. Every day. But, the end of the day, is not dependent upon your knowledge and your accomplishments as upon your ability to do what? Find your way to the heart. By being social and coming close to the people, you may turn the current of their thoughts more readily than by the most able discourse. Sometimes it is our tendency to go and just share everything we know about the 2,300 days or, or to give a good argument for atheism or whatever it is. Maybe in due time God will need us to share those truths. But first, get to know the person. Get to know what they're feeling. Get to know what they're experiencing. Our success by the power of God he will give us discernment how to find our way into the heart. And you know, you'll sometimes realize when you talk to certain people, all of a sudden, God just opens doors and you start talking to them and, and they start asking you more questions and, and they're like, you know, they even, I've had, and I've heard stories, even my mother, she'll say sometimes she just interacts with the bankers or people at the grocery store and she just sees them once a week or well, sometimes once a month, depending on how often she goes. And some people will tell her, it's like I, I, I'm, I see you every day, like you're one of my closest friends. And my mom's like, I only see you a little bit. But God just gives us favor with certain individuals. And what do we do with it? Do we just hide the truth? No. And praise the Lord. God then convicted my mom to invite them to her house to teach them how to cook. And as a result of that, now she's studying with individuals. And she told me, Philippe, I never wanted to give a Bible study. I'm so afraid. My mom loves the Lord with all her heart. She studies the Word of God. But she's, she's, her teaching and preaching is not her natural talent. But God opened the door just because she was friendly. And just people would ask, what's in your grocery cart? Why? And she would explain. And, and they, she would gain their trust. And then they would ask. And she would have to give an answer. Reaching the heart is our, going to be our success. And some of you may ask, but how do I even start a conversation? You know, how do I connect with somebody? I'm not a very talkative person, and you probably heard this acronym, 
maybe even a million times. I've, I know myself, I've heard it many times. But it is the acronym of FORT. It is four topics or four principles that, are, that we can bring up and discuss with anybody that we meet. And the first one is F for family. Talk about their family. If you don't know anything, ask them their name. How are they doing? You know, where are they from? You know, do they have brothers and sisters? You know, what is their family's origin? Those type of things. Talk about their family. This is how we need to be social to save. Number two, talk about their occupation. O for occupation. Talk about their work. How long have they been working? Be interested in those souls. You see, Jesus is as much interested in our salvation and every little thing in between our lives. So if God is that interested in us, we should be very interested in others. Another great tool to use is R for recreation and or religion. Talk about what they like to do. What's the recreation? And if the topic comes up, talk about their religion. Don't condemn their religion right away. Befriend them. Get to know them a little bit. Eventually they will ask you, I have found that just by living the Christian life, people often are very interested in our lives. And they will ask us even before, what church do you go to? You know, you may be praying for divine appointments and all of a sudden you're talking to someone and they'll ask you. And sometimes we shirk and say, oh, should I tell them or should I not? If they ask, you tell them. They want to know. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I go to the Mountain View Japanese church in my case. Tell them. Talk about these things. Another thing, T for testimony. One of the most powerful tools that God has given you and I is our testimony. Share with them what God has done. I have found that we can argue till we're blue in the face. I can prove the sanctuary message. I can prove how Sunday is not the true day of worship. It is Saturday, the seventh day Sabbath that God has blessed and sanctified. But at the end of the day, people's heart may be still very closed. So what do I need to do? Tell them how God has guided me. Tell them, yes, I've struggled, but you know what? By the power of God, I've been victorious. And you know what? I'm still struggling this, but you know what? God's going to give you us the victory. Relate to people. Share them your testimony. Principle number three is found in the idea of being willing to sacrifice. When we go back to that parable of that lost sheep, what did the shepherd have to do to go look for the sheep? Or to find the sheep? What did he do? He does not leave the 99 in the wilderness. He had to leave his comfort zone. He had to leave his home where the rest of the sheep were to go look for the other sheep. God is calling us to be willing to sacrifice, leave our homes, go after that which is lost. And this requires a risk. Because when you're looking in the wilderness, you may hear voices, there may be wolves, there may be things that come to attack. But, because of the love for that lost soul, you're willing to take the risk. Why? Because Jesus has found you. He gave up all. Jesus gave up all the glories of heaven and He came to this earth. He sacrificed all. Because of what Jesus has done, 
now that love enters my heart and now it flows out and I'm willing to sacrifice and take the risk to look for those souls. Imagining with me, you left the 99, you're walking in the wilderness. What are you going to do to find the sheep? Literally, if you, practically thinking, you lost the sheep. Or in my case, when I was in Virginia, I was with some friends and they had uh, huskies, dogs. And uh, these dogs were very beautiful and sometimes they would go on vacation or on a break or had to go to a speaking engagement and we had to take care of these dogs. And a couple times, these dogs were very strong so when we opened the gate to feed them outside, sometimes they'd barge through us and they'd run us over and they'd run. And now, it might be 8 o'clock in the, after, in the evening or 9 o'clock, and I remember, what in the world am I going to do? I've got to look for these dogs. And we were in the country, and they're just running everywhere. Everywhere except where I'm at. They're running into the forest. So what do I do? I've got to look for paths. If they're going through a, a brush or something, or there was a prairie, oh, I see, whoa, there's a path here. Maybe it might have been him. Maybe that's where they went. I have to look for the fourth principle, audible and visible signs. People that are aching leave trails wherever they go. You hear of stories all the time on the TV and on the radio, on the news. People are crying out before people shoot themselves or before they go into a school and start killing everybody. They usually leave hints Facebook and on their personal life and in their family. There's clues that they leave behind. We need to look for signs. And I remember when I was looking for these huskies, eventually I started hearing a howling sound or a bark. And I knew, oh, he couldn't be so far, so I go that direction. People are leaving both visible and audible sounds. You may look at somebody if you see that their eyes are all welted up and they've been cr- they, you know that they've been crying for a long time. You didn't see them cry, but you know what it is when you've seen someone cry after a long time. Their eyes are all watery and red and, and you see that they've been torn or maybe they've been beaten. Ask them how are they doing. What happened? Look for signs. Maybe their house is falling apart. Something is... Yeah, really wrong. Ask them. Look, sometimes the, the signs are right in our face and we're asking God, where's the divine appointment? And it's the person right in front of you. We need to learn, especially with this principle of looking for audible signs, we need to learn the importance of listening. Many times it's in, we have the tendency just to tell people, you need Jesus. And I have learned specifically after getting married, the importance of listening. I thought I was a pretty good listener. I remember in elementary school, I used to, my teacher, she would, uh, after lunch, have a time of just story time. So she would read a book, and she would make us look to her all the time. We weren't allowed to look anywhere else, but just look and listen. And then she would say that, if you were, you know, if you were good, and you didn't make sound, and you weren't looking around, then we'd get candy or whatever. And so we were always, so I developed, I need to, when I'm listening to somebody, I need to look at them and try to be the best listener. 
So I thought I was, you know, reading books on marriage, talking about listening. I thought, you know, this is, and I've been Bible working for a couple years. This shouldn't be too hard. Even though I thought I'd be listening, sometimes I'm not listening. And so I need to ask God to help me to be a powerful listener. And sometimes don't read into what people say. It's a tendency to look into what... Listen and ask God to give you discernment. People may be crying out about their family. They, they need comfort. Maybe people are depressed. Maybe they have a financial burden. People need a listening ear. It is interesting that it is only the parable of the sheep. Out of the three other parables that God mentions here in Luke 15, it's only the parable of the sheep that's mentioned two other times. The parable of the coin and the parable of the prodigal son is not mentioned. But the, prodigal, the, the lost sheep is mentioned. And so God is teaching us, look for visible and audible signs until we eventually find the lost sheep. And what did the lost sheep do? Or in the story of the lost sheep, what did the shepherd do when he found the sheep? He rejoiced. And what did he do? What else did he do? Yeah, come back with me to Luke. Actually, before we look to principle 5, there's actually another principle that's not on the notes, nor it's not on the slides either. But this is also important. And it should be on there, but it's not. This actually should be principle number 5. The one up on the board should be principle number 6. Verse 5, Luke 15, 5. And when he hath found it, what did he do? He layeth on his... Shoulders. So once you've had visible signs, you have found the sheep, the lost soul, what are you supposed to do? Take it on your shoulder. It represents carrying a burden. Sometimes we need to carry specific burdens that people have. If it's a financial need and we can help them or we can find them, you know, sometimes there's a tendency just to see someone that is in financial need and just to give them money. But I think the greater thing you know, it's been once said, you can feed a man with a fish for a day or you can teach him how to fish and he can feed himself for the rest of his life, right? Sometimes it's so easy just to say, okay, here's some money. But maybe we should go out of our way and help them to find a job or do what we can carry that burden. Now, there are certain burdens that we can't carry. If there is some sin or something, they need, we need to point them to the shepherd that can carry their burden, amen? But nevertheless, you get the point. We need to, may at times need to carry their burden. And I appreciate those ministries around the world that are not only sharing with people the gospel, but maybe their need is water in the town, in places in Africa, around the world. Or these children in India and other parts, they, they need, their parents abandon them and they set up an orphanage. These are ways that we can carry the burdens of individuals so that we can use and share the gospel with these individuals. So I believe principle number five is carry the burdens of those that are in need. And that connects with us using our talents in Matthew 25. And at the end, with the sheep, those sheep were the ones that fed the hungry, that clothed the naked. They carried those burdens. Well, let's go on to the next parable in Luke 15. And of course, at every stage, we must remind people of, and we ourselves to experience the rejoicing of that soul. Every soul accepting Jesus Christ is an opportunity to rejoice and to praise God. 
Well, let's look at the next story that will teach us another principle. Let's go jump down to verse 7. And uh, no, verse 8. Luke 15, verse 8. Either what woman have ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, what does she do? Doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? What does the Bible tell us here? The second group of people is like a coin. Does a coin know that it's lost? No. The coin does not know that he is lost. So what, what has to happen? The woman, which represents the church, needs to go looking for that coin, right? So how does she look for the coin? She uses the one. Light. The question is, what is the light that God wants us to use to look for souls? We talked about this earlier, Psalms 119, 105. Thy what? Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, this group of people, I believe, represents individuals like maybe the atheists or those that don't realize their condition, their need. And sometimes we have the tendency to just use arguments or just to use different things or other books to show people that they're lost. But I really believe, if you look at the life of Christ, not only did He share in the burdens of people and love souls and look for signs, but one thing that Jesus did is He constantly pointed people to what? The Word of God. It is the Word of God that will show people their condition. And even if that individual at first does not accept it, you hear of many stories where people are, receive a book, Ellen White or Desire of Age, Great Controversy, or they receive a Bible and they read something and they're against it. But you know what? The Holy Spirit's still working. And as the Holy Spirit is working, they're brought to the Gospel message and they accept Jesus. The resource, principle number five, the resource that God gives us to look for lost souls is the lamp or the light of God's Word. I know there is a tendency to use other books and other materials, but this is the greatest thing that God has given us. This is what found me. I've read other books before. I've read motivational books, but nothing is giving me the greatest motivation than the Word of God. So if that's how God has found me, I need to use the same. Use the Word of God. It is interesting. Uh, this couple days ago before we came here, we had a wreath out, uh, in our house. And um, in, my wife, in my wife's home growing up, they used to always have a nativity scene in the home during December. And they would go through and read the story of Christ being born and so forth. And on this nativity scene, they have this little, they have baby Jesus in the manger. And it was their job always to take the baby Jesus and one of them to hide it. And uh, so, we, the last couple years, we've also been doing that at home. So last year, Brooke hid baby Jesus and this year I hid him. And I hid him in this wreath and it was right in our home. Our home is not very big. It's just a bedroom, a living room and a kitchen. So I put baby Jesus in the wreath. And uh, my wife came home and we were about to have worship and she looks, because the nativity scene is right on our table, and she said, hey, you hit baby Jesus. She didn't think I was going to hide him because 
She asked me to hide it before and I kept forgetting. So I finally hid baby Jesus and, and the room wasn't fully lit up. So she's looking for baby Jesus and it's right there. I could see it from where I was. There was it wasn't that hard. And she's looking and, and I'm giving her clues, hot or cold, and she's getting really hot. She's right at the wreath. She's looking at the wreath. She's touching the wreath. And she keeps missing baby Jesus. <laughs> and then she realized, you know what? I just can't see. So she turns on the light. Now, it was still a little bit of light, but not as much. As soon as she did, you know what? She saw baby Jesus. Many times, it, and all the time, we need to use the Word of God to show people Jesus Christ. It is through the Word of God, and of course, it is also through God reflecting His character in us that people are brought to the knowledge of God. So use the Gospel. Use the Word of God. Allow His character to shine. The reason why I connected also with the gospel because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the what? Glorious gospel of Christ who is in the image of God should shine unto them. Let us use the word of God. Now using the word of God could mean not just giving a Bible study but sharing tracts with people that are biblical tracts. Things like glow that point and take people back to the word. Things like signs of the times, little booklets, books like Desire of Ages, Steps to Christ. Those books, pass them out. Those are the books. Maybe you can't enter their home, but a book can enter their home, right? And when they're reading, when they're in their most desperate moments, they'll pull out this book and they're like, let me read this stupid book. And then they start reading that book and that book is not so stupid. That book brings them to Jesus Christ, amen? So, not only is it us preaching, teaching, and giving Bible studies, but maybe even short video devotions. I know there are some uh, individuals that they'll never read anything. And I, I have a Facebook page, and every once in a while I post some, some devotional thought, audio or visual, or some sermon thing, and people that I never thought, because I have several friends on my Facebook, things, people that I never even talked to on my Facebook page, they've clicked that they liked what they saw on that video. Things that I could not necessarily do, but directing people to those resources, God uses them for His glory. Let us use the resource of the Word of God. But this parable does not stop there. What else does the woman have to do? What does she have to do? She's got to, what? Yeah, she has to sweep. She's got to search for it. Now, when you sweep a room... If you are a good steward and a faithful sweeper, what are you going to do? Are you going to sweep here and then jump there and jump there and just go around everywhere? No. I've always been taught you start in one corner and work your way towards the center. And you sweep everything into the middle, right? Or something similar, whatever technique you use. But you sweep, the idea is to sweep every corner. But you start where? Where you're at, right? I believe this principle applies very much so in our own lives, especially when we're reaching others. Sometimes we want to go there and here, and it is okay. God will call us at times to go to far countries. But let's not just go to far countries without doing the work nearest to us. I remember when I was in college and I was studying, and I, by my sophomore or junior year, I had gone to many mission trips. Been to Russia, Korea, Japan, and uh, China and Mexico, just all over the place. 
And every place I would go, we'd go there for several weeks and we'd do a mini-series or a week of prayer and we'd do cooking classes and health and we'd do different things. And then we'd call them back up and then a year later they're like, oh, you know, the church is still not doing very good. And then I thought to myself, what is going on? And then another group of students would go to the same location and they're struggling with the same thing. And I thought, they get revived but then they die. And then I realized, you know, it's because we haven't done a good job in discipling those individuals. And then I thought, you know, the reason why I don't know how to disciple or really train a group of people is because what about my own home? What about my own church family? What about my own neighbors? Some of them I've only seen once in my life. And they're my neighbors down the street. And then it hit me. I need to start nearest to me. You remember the Acts revolution in the book of Acts? Where did it start? In Jerusalem. Where Jesus was, the disciples were, that's where they were to start. And then they were to go out. That is the same thing I believe God is calling us. And that's why I have a burden for America. God, I grew up in this country. And so I have a burden for those neighbors and those people around me. And, and for my local church. That doesn't mean I don't go do mission trips. No. God in due time may give us the opportunity, but let us search near and far. We usually say far and near, but let's search near and far. Sweep and, and turn every piece of land upside down. Just like that lady would sweep everything, we need to turn every stone. I think one of the best illustrations of this is our call porters. They do a very good job of this. When they go into a town, they start in one area, and they tell you, I've called Porter. They drop you off and say, you comb this whole area. And you think it's one street and then you find, whoa, there's a circle here. And, there, and you're, just, you're there for hours just working this one. Every little house you leave unturned. But then I have found, even as a Bible worker, sometimes we're going door to door, but certain people aren't home. But I think, you know, a better technique is when we go to the house, if they're not home, we should mark it on our map. Hey, this address wasn't home, so that when they are home, we need to go turn that stone. We don't know if they're interested just because they're not home. It doesn't mean they're not interested. And I praise God with our team at our church. There's a group that goes to uh, passing out great controversies every Sabbath, and they've started doing that. And when they miss a house, the next Sabbath, they go back to that house that didn't open the door, and they give them the opportunity to accept the great controversy. And so God wants us to turn every stone, sweep every piece of territory for God's glory. I'm thinking of a story of, an, of a young lady named Christy. She was in North Carolina in 2011. She was on the news and she had taken a hike one morning. Early in the morning she wanted to see sunrise. So she went up to the mountain. She had some food and things with her. And uh, when she was climbing up the mountain, she slipped and fell. And she was supposed to go to work that morning, but because she had slipped and fallen, she had injured herself, and she couldn't really get back up. And so, and I think she got into a concussion, or something happened where she fell asleep for many hours, and then she wakes up, and there she is, lost in these woods. And there she doesn't know what to do, and so she, when she wakes up, she tries to push her up. She has eaten all the food that she has, and she tries to get to higher ground. But who's going to find her in those woods? She's waiting hour after hour. It becomes day after day. The search team is looking. You know what do they do? 
They, cert- they send helicopters. They send ground troops. They send everybody. They GPS the whole territory and they leave not one piece of territory unswept. And you know what happened? Eventually they found her. I believe we need to be just as earnest as those men. There are lost souls. God is calling us to reach those souls. Let us turn every piece of land. Someone once said, actually a lady by the name of Rebecca Pippert, said Jesus wants us to see the neighbor next door or the people's sitting next to us on a plane or in a classroom, are not interruptions to our schedules. They are there by divine appointment. Jesus wants us to see their needs, their loneliness, their longings. He wants to give us the courage to reach out to them. I believe that is very true. And I often find myself, I am doing something for the Lord, maybe I'm preparing my sermon, and then all of a sudden I get a phone call from one of my Bible study students. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you bothering me? This is my natural thing. I don't tell them that, but this is my natural thing. Why are you bothering me? Because I need to finish this sermon. And without fail, every time, you know what the little voice tells me? Philippe, they also need your help. And I need to listen to that. God wants us not to look at people that come to us or people's needs as interruptions, but as, as opportunities to reach out to God. I believe this is part of the conversion experience. God is trying to make us into a sensitive seeker for His kingdom. Someone also once said, if you are a missionary, your mission field is anywhere that you're at. That is the mission field. Sometimes we say, if you want to be a missionary, you've got to go to China, or you've got to go to the 1040 window. Yes, those places need it, but it starts where you're at. If you're in college and you're studying, or if you're in elementary school or high school, it doesn't matter. You know where your mission field is? It's your classmates. Start where you're at. Use the talents. Use little pamphlets. I started hearing of stories of little kids in school during recess. They would start passing out glow in little booklets. Little kids put me to shame. They're passing out, and on recess, they're reading the little book, and they're telling others about Jesus. A little five, six years old. The gospel being spread is not limited to adults or young people. It's for everybody. If we accept Jesus, we need to share Jesus. Let's go to the next. And of course, what happens? Did the lady find the the lost coin? Absolutely. We will also find the lost coin if we use these divine methods. We find that the third group is the group of the prodigal. Those that are lost, but they know how to find their way. You see, the first group was lost, but they didn't know how to get back. So what did the shepherd do? Look for signs, had a burden, and he found the sheep, carried the burden, and brought them back. The second group didn't know that they were lost, but light and careful, diligent search, they were found. The third group, they're lost. They know that they're lost, but they don't know their way back. Christ object, Christ object Lessons, page 198. In the parable of the prodigal son is presented the Lord's dealing with those who have once what? Known the Father's love. These are those that we would today call backsliders. Those that have maybe been to church. They've even got baptized. But you know what? They walked away. But who have allowed the tempter to lead them captive at His will. 
I have a burden for these individuals too. Sometimes we baptize people, but because we don't disciple them, or for whatever reason, they leave us. They walk out the back door never to come again. We got to reach these souls. These are like the prodigals. I was a prodigal. I was in church all the time, but I was still lost. And people thought because I was at church, oh, I'm not lost. I was lost. But I also knew how to come back. And it wasn't necessarily going to church every Sabbath. I needed to go to Jesus. And God led me back to Jesus. You know the story, the young man, he sells, or he takes, he demands actually his father's inheritance. He says, I want my inheritance. It's almost to say, hey, I want you dead already. I want my money. And he squanders it all that he has. You know, at that point in time, he was rich. Many individuals think that they have everything. They're rich physically. Maybe some think they're rich mentally. Maybe even spiritually self-deceived. And what do they do? They waste everything. But they're actually fools. And after wasting everything that they had, what happens in their experience? All the riches, they're wasted, they're squandered away in righteous living. They waste it all away. All the resources. If you think about it, even for us, if when we stray spiritually from God, we are squandering, we're taking God's grace in vain. We're wasting it away. But it is amazing to me, what is it that brought that young man back to his father's home? What brought him back? Yes, it was love. As he was there, he was at the rock point. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, but sometimes God has to allow us to hit rock bottom. It wasn't until I saw that gun straight in my face and I thought I could die that moment that I realized I needed to give my whole heart unreservedly to the Lord. We have to hit rock bottom. And there, the son as he's feeding pigs and eating the slop from the pigs, then he remembers his father's love. What does the Bible tell us in Romans 2.5? The goodness of God, what? Leads us to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness judgment of God. That section... That's the wrong text. Let's go there real quickly. Romans. I want to read the right one. Romans. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. That was actually verse 5. Let's read the previous verse. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing the what? Goodness of God leads us to what? Repentance. And then it's after thy hardness of heart. What leads us to repentance? It's the goodness of Jesus. The revelation. Remember we were talking about conversion. Even we are talking about the sanctuary message. We have to behold the Lamb of God that was slain for us. We need to have a revelation of the goodness of God. This group of people, when I that day when I saw that gunman and the Lord spared my life and those involved and the young man that was the, the aim of those gunmen, 
I realized that night that God had spared my life. And I remember crying because of how good God was to me. That's what hit me, was Lord, even when I rejected you, I'm here in church. I've been in church all day. We were going to evangelistic series. My sister was getting baptized. Even then, my heart was not fully surrendered. And I said, Lord, you're still merciful. That's what made me break down because God was still calling me, calling me. And even six months later, the devil tried to kill my life again, got into a car accident. But each time, God kept revealing to me His love. And it was then that I made the decision, Lord, I will give myself unreservedly to you. And that's what brought the prodigal son back. The character of the father with his persistent love is what brought the son back. Even if people haven't given their lives to God, show them God's love. Don't fake it. Just pray that God will make you converted. Have that experience with God and let His love and character, His goodness and His mercy. And sometimes we have to be just. We have to be, show them that if you don't do this, you're going to die. But nevertheless, with love, bring them back. And when the son gets back up and he starts walking, look at what the Bible tells us in Luke 15, 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father what? Wait a second. If his father saw him, what does that tell me? That the father was doing every day. He was waiting. For us, we need to be watching. And watching in the Bible oftentimes is connected with prayer, as we saw even a couple texts in the last presentations. We need to be watching, praying for these souls, showing them the love of God. And his father saw him, and he had compassion. If I was the father, humanly speaking, by God's grace, God's working on my heart, but if I was the father, humanly speaking, I'd say, What's wrong with you, my son? Where's my money? You look like a junk. You look like a mess. You're worse than even my servants that work here. You look like a pig. The father didn't do that. He had compassion and ran. Hey, son, oh, it's good to see you back. No, 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 no. He ran to him. He, was, he left what he was doing or what, at home and he went and ran and hugged his son. We need to be quick to see and to spot people coming back to Jesus. Embrace them, love them, and kiss them. Humanly, we would say, oh, you smell, I can't. Once you wash up, take these clothes, change yourself, then I'll hug you. No, 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 no. Hug them, embrace them. The principle is be compassionate. That's what will bring people back. Principle, the last and final principle, always be persistently in hope and in love. You know why? Because that's how God deals with me. When I would think that my case is hopeless, God is doing everything that He can. He's still hoping. And in the meantime, He keeps sharing His love, different things, different avenues, keeps sharing His love to us. That is the attitude that God is calling us today. This shows us another aspect and approach to evangelism. Those individuals that have been in the church and have left the fold of God, the best thing that we can do is when we see them, embrace them and tell them we're thinking about them, we're praying for them. Invite them to come home, to our home, eat a meal with them. 
find out what they're going through. They will normally open up. Just be interested in their salvation. This is something that God needs to change our hearts, to have that love and that eyesight that God has for us. Those are the principles that we see here in, this par- in these parables. And there's probably many more that I've even missed. But may we use these simple principles. I promise you, if you use these simple principles, you will come into the kingdom of God with sheaves, with fruit. Not because of just you doing the work. It's God doing it through you. He's going to be working when you're not working. When you're sleeping, God's impressing people's minds. All God is asking us is be faithful. Be faithful with our time. Be faithful with our talents. And use them for the glory of God. But before the, we can bring others to Jesus, we ourselves must be found. May this be our experience each and every day. Is that what you want to experience? Praise God. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, you are again. All I can say is that you are so good. You are so amazing. Even while we were yet sinners, you came and looked for us. Those three parables show us how much you love us so much. Maybe there's someone even here today that still hasn't unreservedly surrendered his life or her life to you. Father, please don't leave them until they have made that decision. Convict each one of us and may we fully surrender our hearts to you so that we would be conduits of your grace in our lives and that others would see and those that are lost would would come up and say, what's wrong with you? Why are you so happy? And that we could tell people, I have found Jesus and why don't you find him too? Lord, please, give us this experience. Give us the heart of the shepherd, the great shepherd Jesus Christ. Give us the heart of you, Father. Those that are lost in the church but that need to be embraced and loved the heart of the woman looking for that lost coin. May we use your word and the tracks and the truths you have given to us to bring others into a loving relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for these truths and bless each one here. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.